Welcome to another special video edition of the Rap Lab Podcast. It's your boy, the ALFRE to the D. Just the one, one and only. only, the only one, the Rap Barber MC. Y'all know what it is. Y'all know what I do. Always keeping it true. It's the Q. And y'all know who I be, the one and only T.O. Y'all know the question that still remains to this day. What's the dealio? And ladies and gentlemen, if you can see on the bottom of the screen, we got a very special guest in the building. New Orleans, Louisiana's own Alfred Banks. Welcome to the Rap Lab, my friend. Thank you for having me, guys. Absolutely, and uh, it's a it's a great pleasure to speak to you. We've been listening to your music uh, uh, for like the last month, ever since we found out you was coming on the show. And I gotta say, man, I'm 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 a real I'm a real big fan, real big fan. I appreciate that, man. That's love. That's love. Thank you. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, we get right into it. Um, so in doing my homework on you. Uh, I read that you had a a full scholarship to Loyola University, but yeah, you chose yeah. But you left you left college to to choose music. Like what what made you uh, give up academics to go the music route? Was it was it the music or was it something else that that led you to to leave college behind? Oh, it was, it was something else like a mug. Uh, actually, uh, I was homeless. Um, I want to make sure that like that like kind of known like I. Um, I'm very happy with the way my life went, but I was homeless. So it was a choice between <clears throat> being homeless and, you know, getting a, uh, getting my degree, but not having anywhere to stay when I did it or dropping out, getting a job and go and get a house, stacking up to get a house. And I chose the latter. And then, then I was always just doing music. I was always uh, pursuing it. So, um, I didn't like leave music. I, I didn't leave school for music. I left school because I couldn't afford to be there anymore. Um, but I did have a full ride. Uh, I'm the first, I want to say I'm the first guy to go to college on my mama's side of the family. I was pretty intense. Um, and I know, I remember they said, uh, you're supposed to apply for like four different colleges, like one dream, one like really good one, one like realistic one, and one in case the other three don't work out. <clears throat> and I only applied to one college, and I got in, which was crazy. Okay. And I, I missed college. It was a great time. Um, I learned a lot about myself. Um, but yeah, I, I had to dip set and go go do music, man, for sure. Gotcha, gotcha. That's what's up, man. So I read that um you had taken a little hiatus of um doing music. You took three months off. Um, you know, due to the coronavirus and everything. Um, how alleviating was that for you to take a break from writing? And um, how did it feel to jump back into it? Um, well, <clears throat> I was going through a lot in life. Um, I had like a seven-year relationship. Like the week that COVID shut everything down, me and her broke up. Um, I lost my day job. Uh, and I lost like 70 shows, 60, 70 shows. So I was just depressed, right? Um, <laughs> two of the ways I make money from my day job and music, I didn't, I was like, what the hell's going on? I didn't have any way to make money, um, um, at that point. Um, I was just so in touring mode at that point, you know, leading into 2020 that, you know, I was just like, that's what I was going to do. I had so many things coming up. So I, I just needed to take a break just to kind of get my life together, um, and kind of pivot and figure out how I was going to make ends meet, to be completely honest. Gotcha. Um, and I had no interest in writing just because it's like, God, I don't care. I just, <laughs> I just want to be able to eat food and stuff. You know what I mean? So I had to figure all that out. Um, and, I, and I did this feature. Um, shout out to my man, Pell. Um, he has a project called Global Warming. Uh, and uh, a group of guys and gals called Global Warming. <clears throat> and the, he was working on a project and he hit me up. I was like, yo, man, I want you on this song. And uh, I didn't really want to do it, but that was present Alfred looking out for future Alfred. I'm glad I did. Smart. Um, that was the first verse I did uh, during that really cloudy point in my life. And, uh, you know, I did it. And it kind of eased me into writing more 
<clears throat> that I was on Instagram, my man Cedric uh, Avenue uh, out of Denver. Um, he was playing some beats on the gram, and I was like, yo, these beats is crazy. Like, it was one beat I heard. I was like, yo, that joint is fire. Like, who did that? He was like, I did, because he's a rapper, but he now makes beats. And I was like, oh, that's why, for sure. So can I rhyme to it? He was like, yeah, and I wrote to it. I sent him a voice memo that night, and he's like, man, that joint fire. Recorded it the next day, sent it over to him. I was like, yo, send me some more. He sent me, like, two. I knocked those out. Send me, like, two more. He sent me more. We might well just do an EP, and then we put the project out. And that project is one guy standing by himself. And that wasn't even supposed to be the project we put out. I just did that because I just kind of needed to get that out, you know? But um, I'm glad it came out, for sure. Dope, dope. Um, one thing I like about your style and your technique is different from the cash monies and the no limit approach. Did you make that decision to go a different route from the beginning when you started rapping? Nah, I ain't really had that in mind. I just was just, I just always have done what was like kind of close to my heart. Like what's, what's genuine to me. Um, just the way I dress, the way I, I go about handling business, the way I, you know, rock a show, the way I create in general, I just do what I like and what I think is cool. Um, you know, other people's uh, perception of things or the way people see things or hear things or expect makes me know never mind. Because, like, at the end, of, I just truly believe in, you know, when I'm uh, when I'm an old guy and I'm old and gray, and if I'm lucky enough to have kids and they have kids, I just kind of want them to be able to look back <clears throat> at grandpa's, great-grandpa's uh, situation and say, oh, man, that dude did him throughout the whole thing. Um, that's just very important to me. Um, cash money, no limit. Those guys, they influenced me. Shouts to my man Mac. Um, he's a close friend now, so that's really cool. I'm so glad he's home. Um, and obviously, cash money and the impact that they've had on just everything. Um, those guys do influence me for the sake of like hustle and grind. But when it comes to music, um, I just kind of pull from within. Um, especially nowadays, being you know 30 years old now, I kind of just pull from within. I don't necessarily look for outside kind of influences. So I just kind of create in my own world and what, you know, whatever that may sound like is how that comes out. Yes, indeed. Shout out to Mac and staying true to yourself. I respect that. That's dope. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. You know, you said that you made an album that you just said it was just to get out there, but it's actually made a bit of a wave, but the interesting title, you call it one guy standing by himself. Like what made you get that title for your album? So originally I was actually moving backwards. So, like, I'm in this group called Sass Kicks Ass. And in that group, I was <laughs> I was pitching to Albert, who just texted me, by the way. I was pitching to Albert. I was like, yo, our next project should be called Two Guys Standing Next to Each Other, just because I thought that was hilarious. And he was like, no. And I was like, damn. So I was like, all right, well, <laughs> I can't use that name. All right, well, I'm going to just – go one guy standing by himself because I thought it was funny. Like, I, it, it it was funny when I thought of it. But as kind of time went on, um, where I was at mentally and all these things, I was like, the title kind of takes on more of a thing than, than I originally thought. I had no intention on it being such a serious kind of deal. Even with what was going on with COVID and stuff, I just, I just thought it was hilarious. But then, like, when you think about it, you know, obviously my, my, my relationship ending, my job closing, all these shows. I have a manager, I have a publicist, I have you know an assistant, I got a DJ, I got all these people that are part of my squad. But at the end of the day, I had to go through COVID by myself. You know, one guy standing by himself kind of deal. I had to deal with it all on my own. And for the first time in my life, I was alone, like really alone, you know what I mean? And, um, and just kind of embracing that energy and coming out the other side of it. Uh, I was very proud of myself, so I'm glad I named it One Guy Standing By Himself. Um, it's kind of like a triumphant kind of deal, you know what I mean? Um, and again, not to toot my own horn, but I just went through a lot during 2020, and I'm proud of myself for being able to come out of that. So I think the name is like befitting of the situation and the music for sure. Right, right. And I, I just want to, I, I, I just want to rewind the clock all the way back for for a second. Um, what was your what what is your origins with music? Like what what made you decide to pick up a pen or want to go in a studio uh one day? Um my first it was my oldest brother, Lavis Banks. Um, uh, may he rest in peace. He uh was the first guy I ever saw rap. Um, 
And then my middle brother, James, um, he's an incredible freestyler. Landis was the writer. James was a freestyler. And uh, so when I saw Landis, he had, like, garnered a little bit of a buzz here in New Orleans. Um, he was signed to a record label, and it was a subsidiary of No Limit. And so, you know, No Limit was trying to, like, kind of coax my brother on, and, and uh, whatever happened, happened. He wasn't able to do it. But he was the first guy I saw really do it. And that first time I ever got in the studio, I was, like, six. Um, I don't remember all the details, but I remember being very scared uh, to get in boots. He wanted me to sing. Cause I was a singer before I was a rapper by any means. And so um, I just wanted to impress my brothers. So I started stealing their raps and like rewording it. Right. And I would like try to rap it back to him. And if he didn't recognize his own rap, then like, I was like, yeah, I did it. Type of. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of where I started rhyming. And uh, I remember <clears throat> uh, basketball kind of took over. I wanted to be a wrestler, a WWE wrestler at one point. I wanted to rap. I wanted to play basketball. Um, but when those things kind of went to the wayside, I was like, man, I want to rap. I heard Food Liquor, uh, Lupe Fiasco, uh, Food Liquor, and that album changed my life. I was like, oh, I right. there's someone that kind of thinks like I do. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I ain't got to rap like, yep, they're my wife, too. Yep, and I was, um, I could do something that's a little bit more, you know, in depth. And uh, I asked my brother, I was like, yo, I ain't got no beats. He was like, man, just hear, go listen to your favorite songs, rap over those beats, and battle the dude on the song. That's how you'll be able to write raps. And so that's kind of how I got into battling, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I would just write over the record and just rap the record, just completely ignore the person's words that they're saying or whatever. So that's kind of how I got into it. And then around, I want to say 16, I got in the studio for the first time. Me and my man Caesar went to high school, created a group. Um, Fresh of Peoples was the name of the group. And uh, we got in the studio, recorded our first songs and stuff. It was on MySpace. And, uh, I think I'm going to be the last, I'm a part of the last generation of that, which is hilarious to think about. But, uh, but uh, yeah, put the records out on MySpace. It did okay for high school. People were loving it. And then I jumped out into the world. Um, so that's kind of how I, I started really getting into, like, and I started battling. I used to battle cats in high school, freestyle battle or whatever. So that's kind of how I got into it before I even knew how to write a rap. Dope, dope. And speaking on uh, Lupe Fiasco, saying he's one of your influences, um, it must have been dope to open up for him. Are there any um, MCs also that inspired you or you wish to collab with? Um, yeah, opening for Lupe was dope. Um, shout out to my man B. Mike. He's a visual artist here. Uh, and he, he allowed me and a, a bunch of other young guys to, and gals to do that. That was amazing. Um, inspired me. Um, you know, my top five. Uh, Lupe, Fiasco, Charles Hamilton, MF Doom, Buster Rhymes, and Eminem. Uh, those guys, uh, top 10, like Mickey Fax, you know what I'm saying? Shouts to Mickey, that's my bro. Uh, my nigga Mega Rand, dude's incredible. Um, a couple other guys, those guys inspire me um, to just be an incredible MC. Uh, you know, a person like Mickey Fax, he can do anything. He can rap over, you know, a techno beat. He can rhyme over some hibbity hobbity. Um, he can write a hit record, um, and all those things combined. And he can rap your head off. So, you know, being surrounded by people like that, I have to rap good, or at least I have to <laughs> give it a valiant effort. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I just, you know, I take that kind of energy. Like when I step in the, uh, shout out to my man Mega Ran. He just dropped the album called Live '95, and it's Mega Ran, Mickey Fax, Alfred Banks. Uh, Czar, I want to say. Uh, I'll say it's not metaphor. I'm gonna come back around to that, but it's like a group track. It's called Fab Five. No. And I was, uh, I was like, yo, I, I, I need to add a best verse on this record. Uh, so those kind of guys inspire me. Um, also a person like Currency inspires me. Um, you know, the work ethic to take free music and turn that into millions. Um, is an incredible situation. Um, and other guys that I would like to work with. I would love to do a song with Lupe at one point. That'd be really cool. You know, I'm only one degree away from him. So hopefully maybe one day we'll see. Um, honestly, man, not really. Uh, and I'm not saying that like on the, I don't work with nobody. Nobody's as good as me. It's just, I just get so focused on kind of what I got going on. Um, features kind of happen as they happen. You know what I mean? I don't necessarily make music with people in mind. I just kind of make music. And if you're in the room and it fits, we'll jump on it kind of deal. That gets me in a lot of trouble, too, because people think I'm like this, 
egotistical guy, but Nas, I don't write music with features in mind, but, um, you know, Buster Rhymes, I'd love to do a record with him, or let's just shoot for the stars, Eminem, like everybody in my top five, with the exception of that don't rest in peace, um, I'd love to do a song with those guys. I actually did a song with Charles, he produced a record, that was a dream come true. That's probably like number one on my bucket list, and I, I did it, so like everything else at this point is laying yet, you know Dope, dope. Yes. Awesome. Always good to aim high and definitely work with your influences. Uh, this question, this question I got for you, man, it's about a song called LSD, which is one of my favorites. Oh, wow. It actually, wow, that's it reminds crazy. Me, no, you know why? Because it reminds me of what happened to me in high school. I had a pair of Air Jordans, man, and they broke into my locker and stole my joints. So it's like, Damn, oh, man. yeah. Damn, so, uh, so, I mean, hearing that song, can you tell us a little bit more about that story? And, and in your music, I, like, we know how big of a, you're into the sneaker culture, which is awesome. Of course, uh, of course, of course. Uh, um, do you have a favorite pair of Air Jordans? Um, I'll answer that first. Uh, my yeah. favorite pair of Air Jordans is the, the Jordan 8 Peapod. Uh, Ooh. That shoe is just crazy. It's like nice cobalt blue on the, yeah, cobalt blue on the outside, orange guts, and shit is crazy. Um, that's my favorite Jordan. Um, and I, don't, I just, I've been in love with sneakers since I was a kid. But that song, man, wow. No one's ever, like, really singled that record out. I appreciate that. It's love. Um, yes, sir. That song, like, I don't know, man. I, that's just my experience in high school. Like, I ain't really, that's why I started battle rapping. Because that was my way of getting back at cats. You know, I could throw hands, but it was, I didn't really want to fight. It was just more like, you know, I'm going to just embarrass you. Because you're embarrassing me. You're making fun of me. You're trying to pick on me. So yeah. I'm gonna be as quick on my feet as I possibly can and make you look terrible. And so this fight that we're gonna have regardless is gonna be actually warranted instead of you just picking on me because you're bored. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just make you look really bad in front of this crowd of people. So, you know, whatever. So um, I don't know, man, that song means a lot to me because it's literally 100% true. Like everything in that song is 100% true. And my man who helped me out in the song, like I talk about my man who was there with me as we're about to scrap, he made the beat. So wow. it's a circle to like, yeah, my man Caesar, that whole the beautiful album is produced by Caesar. That's my best friend. I've been knowing him since 06, um, before he even made beats. So like it was full circle to make that record and he made the beat. You know what I'm saying? And he knows it was true. And I was like, Are oh, you cool with me putting this out? He's like, Yeah, it was out. Um, and the best part about it, the guy who I beat up in that story. Um, he's a failure in life. Revenge, revenge is revenge is always <laughs> sweet. Success is well, the best revenge. Talk mm. about the revenge of the nerds and stuff, my, my <laughs> man. Got to, man. Got to. <laughs> now, uh, now, um, you you mentioned your um partner Albert, and y'all made up a group called Sax Kicks Avenue, which I find is an interesting name because when I first saw it, I said. Sax Kicks Avenue, and I was I was about to look up, and I accidentally put Sax Fifth Avenue, but I know it kind of like has a play on words. How did you and Album come together? Like I know it said it was between 2020 or in 2020, if anything, and I know a lot of things was going on, like you mentioned with the pandemic, so a lot of things was going downhill. But then it started making a bit of a progress when you and Al or Albert, let's just say, there's a lot of Al's in here. Um, made up the whole Sax Kicked Avenue. And what I like about that is it's not just hip-hop. I always put like a bit of a mix with the whole pop and jazz and hip-hop. And, and I like that type of diversity when it comes to the productions and stuff. So how'd that come about? Um, well, yeah, man, Sax Kicked Avenue, I rock with. So what happened was in 2019, I got the tour with Tank and the Bangers real tough. And we're backstage hanging out, and I rock with everybody in the band for sure. Um, but me and Albert, we just kind of did this, you know what I mean? We're both around the same age. He's a little bit younger than me. I think he's like two years younger than me. Uh, dude is funny as hell, you know what I mean? And we match a lot in our sense of humor. Very dry, very sarcastic, very, you know, like the, the kind of jokes that like do this, you know what I mean, kind of deal. Very witty. And I vibe with that. You know, they say sarcasm is the is the, the humor of the intelligent. So anybody who could match me in that regard, I'm like, why are you a real one? And so COVID hit and we're all sitting at our house. And my manager, Tavia, is like, hey, you know, Albert makes beats. You should, like, get in the studio with him. And to be honest, I'm not the most social guy. So I was like, all right. 
cool, I'm going to just do one record and just appease my manager, and I'm going to skedaddle. And he sent me a photo with some beats. I didn't really listen to all of them. I listened to, like, three. I picked one. I wrote the record. We got in the studio. And we were in the studio for about eight hours, and I laughed for about six of them. Um, me and him cracked every joke you could think of. You know, you just kind of got to fill a person out. But I had already kind of knew him because we were on tour. But, man, this dude is just the bee's knees, man. I love him. Incredible guy. Him and his girl, Callie, are just such this, I don't know, they're just so cool. And so I was like, you know what, man? Let's do some more music. So we did about two or three records more. And then we did this project together uh, where this this, this company uh, hired Tank and the Bangers to, to make, like, a song. They had to coach a group of people to make a song. And uh, Tank and the Bangers picked me and Albert. And I was like, all right, cool. I was like, man, you know what? You want to, like, make this a thing? He was like, yeah. And the, the first name of the project, was, the first name of the group was Al Squared, which is like, no. Uh, <laughs> that's a terrible name. Uh, and we just kind of went through the thing. And I was like, man, you like shoes. I like shoes. You like play saxophone. Why don't we just, like, play off of that? I was like, they got, like, sax fifth ass, so we could do, like, sax kicks ass. And he was like, Perfect. yeah. And, and I say, uh, he plays saxophone. I like shoes, and we both live on streets. That's why we call it Sax Kicks. Yeah, yeah that's, um, that's, that's dope. That's dope. Well, that explains the whole jazz influence as well as part of the whole thing. Exactly, exactly. Dude's yes. an incredible producer, man. Like, his range is just nuts. I actually just put out a song today um, that he produced called Too Much. It's like my first, I guess you could say, rock song kind of deal. Um, it's really dope, man. And the dude's range is just... He he's amazing. That's all I can say. The guy's amazing. Okay. Um. So I want to ask you because I listened to both uh, the beautiful and then there's like my favorite project of yours, Road to a Rolex. Um. By the way, bless, <laughs> by the way, bless my soul. When I first heard it, it is crazy. I was I was in the car driving and I had like your stuff in, in order, just going, just I was on a road trip and. Bless my soul came on, and when it ended, I was like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute! I gotta go back and listen to it." So I went on the car, I went on the screen in the car, and and clicked the the repeat button twice so it could just keep going and going and going. I must have listened to "Bless My Soul" like seven times in a row before oh, I went to the man. next song. Thank you, man. Yeah, so that, so no problem. So what I want to ask you is because the beautiful and road to a Rolex is two different concepts. Uh, what changed your your creative direction or your thinking in between the two projects? You said Road to Rolex and which project? Oh, uh, the beautiful. Um, was beautiful to Rolex. Um, well, the beautiful man, I was just mourning. Yeah. You know okay. I mean? Um, I was mourning, and uh, um, losing my brother really sucked. Uh, it was a very painful situation, and I was. I feel like that's when I kind of came into my own. Up until that point, I rapped a lot about rapping. You know what I mean? Like, I rapped about how good I rapped. And that shit gets boring after a while. And I was I was doing some things, but I was resting on those laurels. I wasn't expanding. And I had a conversation with my brother, Marcel P. Black. We all should look up to Marcel P. Black. Because if you like Dead Prez, just imagine that, but from Baton Rouge. Dude, okay. Like, all right. Um, but uh, he was like, yo, dog. And he's all about social commentary. So he was like, yo, dog, like, you getting older now. You should, like, think more about other shit. You know what I mean? And I was like, right. And so my brother just happened to pass away. And my manager at the time was like, yo, you should, like, make something more in-depth of a project. And so he put all those things together, like, the perfect storm. And I just wanted to write a record about what my brother went through and my experience in, you know, learning about, like, hip-hop and all the different things and stuff. You're going to see me take a trip. Excuse me. Uh, no, no worries. So <laughs> that's kind of what I was doing with that. But with Road to a Rolex, um, I was just trying to get this money. And I feel like everybody kind of wants to get money. Um, everybody wants to get money. You know what I mean? So I think Road to a Rolex is a project that kind of creates that energy of being proud of the money that that you want to make and wanting to expand. And, you know, I've always wanted a Rolex. Um, it's one of 
and I don't want to save up to buy a watch. You know, I want to buy a watch, and it doesn't hurt me none. And so it's just that kind of energy of, you know, working really hard to stack up enough money to uh, to be able to afford something like that. But it's not just the watch. It's the process of getting there, um, the hard work you put in. And so when you finally get to that destination or whatever that may be, you feel accomplished. So that's kind of what that project is about. And I feel like at that time, more than ever, I felt like being like an underground rapper, people kind of feel like um, if you talk about wanting to get money, you're like selling out. It's like, I'm not even famous yet. How can I sell out? Uh, and, I, <laughs> and I don't think uh, wanting to make money and pay rent and stuff and live a comfortable life is selling out. You know what I'm saying? So that's what Real to Real is kind of uh, is based in. And those beats are big, they bang hard, and I kind of wanted to get back to that sound more. Not really hibbity hobbity, but more like a, a nice kind of boom bappy kind of sound. Um, that was a that was a batch of beats that I got from Caesar. Again, Chris Caesar, my man Caesar, he produced all those records, and uh, that dude's amazing, by the way. Uh, his ear for samples is just nuts, but I kind of wanted that kind of feel. I was like, yo, I want them joints to bang out. I want them to hit hard, so I could spit some real like flamboyant kind of rhymes over them. Uh, that's the kind of difference between those two projects for sure. Okay. Nice. Oh, dope. That's so good, man. I've seen that you do have a brand ambassador deal with Reebok and um you did bring up currency and you did bring up that you do um are a collector of sneakers. Did you ever get a chance to get your hand on um the currency irisons from Reebok? I did not I actually had wild chances to get them and I did not pull the trigger. I don't know why. And it's such because that's one of my favorite models. The question is just ridiculous. Uh, but I did not Take, I didn't pull the trigger because every time I walked in that store, shout out to my man Cody from Like Sushi, Like Sushi, uh, they, uh, he had a store um, here in New Orleans and he sold like sneakers, like, you know, secondhand sneakers. And he had those on the wall. But every time I walked in to get them, there was some SBs on the wall. This is about three, four years ago. This was yeah. before the SB craze that's going on right now. So I, I, I would just buy the pairs of SBs for like 60 bucks. Right. Every time I walked in, it was like a new pair of SBs. Oh, let me just get those. Boom. Let me just get those. Boom. Let me just get those. So I never pulled the trigger. And by the time I remember to get those shoes, the store closed down. Ah. Uh, and I remember they had the little stash pocket and stuff. And I think it's a dope model, man. It's a dope shoe for sure. But I didn't have a chance to get my name on it. But my hands on it. But shout out to Reebok. Um, you know, they sent me a bunch of stuff. And um, I really appreciate that. Uh, I don't have on Reebok right now. Oh, yes, I do have on Reebok right now. Nice. Hey, what, 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 what model? What model kicks you got on right now? Um, that's actually my first time wearing these. Oh, oh that's okay. sweet. Right. Yeah, man. Those are these, fire. Uh, there's a store called Buffalo Change. I think y'all got one. Y'all in New York, right? Yeah, we in New oh, York. Oh yeah, we got a bunch of them out there. We got. <laughs> I got. I got these for thirty. We got tons. Oh, those are nice. Bucks. Yeah, I actually got uh, two pairs of the currency Iversons. I, I got one, a uh, rock one, stock one, as we say. You got to, man. You got to keep one on ice, man. Right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Those are my favorite joints. And he's my dude. Yeah, Spit is a dope rat. To me, I met him a couple of days ago for the first time. Ironically, as small as the city is, I never met him. I met him through Mac. Uh, and I will say it was an amazing feeling to kind of have Mac introduce me to Spit up. It's like, yo, this is crazy where it is life. But um, he's a really good, cool guy. Um, very rich, very, very rich guy. Uh, he's very rich. I had like this little watch I had. I had this on. This watch is like 500. He had a watch that probably cost more than the building I live in. So I was like, let me just go ahead and tuck this right quick. You know what I'm saying? Call this a day. <laughs> Incredible <laughs> guy, man. Good energy. Um, hilarious. Um, really dope, dope person, man. So shout out to Spitz. Dope. All right. That's awesome. Uh, now, uh, listening to your music, I heard the name Kurt Angle. And I heard the name Owen Hart, and you mentioned earlier that you wanted to be a wrestler. Everybody here on the Rap Lab podcast, we are all wrestling fans. So we heard about your favorite MCs. Can you give us five of your favorite wrestlers? Sure. Um, I may sound like a buster because I'm only going to say WWE names, but uh, Jeff Hardy's number one. That's just not even close. Uh, I'm going to give you top five. I don't know what order. But Jeff Hardy right. number one. That's, that's not even close. Jeff gotcha. Hardy got Kurt in there. Um, you gotta get HBK in there. You gotta get mm-hmm. Eddie in there. Eddie Guerrero. You gotta put right. Guerrero in there. Um, I want to 
JBL, but only because his clothesline from hell was just so ill. That's mm-hmm. one of the best finishes I've ever seen. Facts. Uh, but I'm, I'm not going to put him in there. I'm going to say Jeff Hardy. I'm going to say Kurt Angle. I'm going to say Eddie Guerrero. Uh, HBK. One more, man. Dang. Who's like, who's like a dope wrestler I always watch? Um, I like Paul London. Okay. Wow. Oh, okay. That's Paul London. London. Wow. That's the yeah. name that has been mentioned a while. I fly. Paul London. Oh, All right. Tough, man. Paul is tough. It'd, be, it'd probably be between like Paul and like Billy Kidman because that shooting star press was, when it was good, it was good. When it was bad, good Lord. But when it, Concussion when it City. Good, You're right. You know what I mean? He's yeah. He's messed over Chavo, but it's a really good, um, I would say Paul. Though. Paul is really, really dope. He is really, really dope. The dope list. That's a- that's a good pick. And Paul is very underrated, so I'm very happy oh, that yeah. you met him. Paul is nuts, man. Yeah. Paul is yeah, like yeah. so crazy. That 450 is just... This is, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Good yeah, you, 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 you speak into my soul right now because I'm a wrestling memorabilia collector outside of hip-hop. I got, like, wrestling figures on my walls, so, like... Indeed. Yeah, man. So, so much... Yes. Yes, a museum. My Triple H right there. Oh, yeah. Hey. All oh, degeneration X time. <laughs> much, much, much respect, bro. Much respect. No doubt, no doubt. Um, on, this, on the album, The Beautiful, I know the first thing you talk about is the funeral of your brother. And it also helped create, like, your, your take and also help educating others on mental illness. And I see you're a big advocate on that. And that also has to be talked about a lot in these times especially through music, like people may say that, you know, oh, people are rich and everything because they got money. But in reality, they also deal with mental health issues as well, because, you know, money ain't everything. But outside of that, you also have how you talked about the schizophrenia from the the album as well. And again, I see you a big advocate on mental illness. So tell us all about that. Um, Yeah, my brother, uh, he, uh, you know, he's the big catalyst for that. before you know his passing i'd never even heard of schizophrenia before i'd never heard of um like actual mental health like issues or at least being able to put a word to the to the to the symptoms you know a title to the symptoms but um when he, in his passing i did a lot of research to to make sure my album was as uh coming from as a, a very accurate place or whatever and as I'm doing the research and I'm, I'm rocking these songs and doing these shows, I was just like, man, like, it's got to be more than just, than just the album. I got to, you know, because what, what I'm finding is what he went through, millions of people go through or have gone through. And so I was like, man, you know, I don't have the biggest platform in the world, but like, I hope that the little platform I do have, I could use to some degree of to help. You know what I mean? I guess it's the least I can do. So, um, shouts to Nami, uh, you know, I seen uh, the National Alliance of Mental Illness. Uh, we linked up with them and we put the beautiful out. Um, and they helped with the press release to kind of get the word out locally and, and uh, abroad beyond uh, to kind of spread the word about mental health. So I've spoken at different colleges and high schools and stuff like that, just to kind of like spread the word and just kind of talk about it from my angle, though, even though it's my view of it, it's a very general thing that a lot, millions and millions of people deal with. So. Uh, I don't know, man. I just feel it's my duty. Um, I'm not necessarily the mental health rapper by any means, but I am so a person that throughout the rest of my life and career, I will do my due diligence to kind of spread the word about mental health and, and you know, let people know it's okay to not be okay sometimes. But when you know that, what are you going to do about it? You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, I'm just one of those guys where, you know, without it being super, like, corny or weird, I just want I just want to say something in my music. I think that's where the Lupe in me kicks in, like, you know, I'm a fly guy, rock kicks, you know what I'm saying? Um, I travel, do all the cool things, got gear, but at the end of the day, like, what are we saying that's sticking to people's ribs? Um, because that may not be the most popular music, but that's the music that lives on forever. Um, and so that's just kind of where I'm at with it as a person. Outside of music, I would do this, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Hey, man, I applaud you for that, man. Thanks. Yes, sir. Thank you. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Much respect. Um. I gotta ask the. I, I found that you was in a Volkswagen commercial. How how yeah. how did how did that come about? I would like to hear that that story. How you hooked up with them? Um, well, you know, word up, you know, what I'm saying niggas was like, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, one day, man, I put out a song called Homecoming, again produced by Caesar. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty much for the first seven years of my career, that's all I rapped over was his beats, right? Seven, about to, to about 2018, all I rapped over was his beats. And we put out this song. Video had maybe about, a you know, thousand views on YouTube, you know, thousand plays on SoundCloud, not too crazy. And uh, I got a phone call from my manager, and he was like, at the time, and he was like, yo, um, I just got an email from this company, Blue Audio, who want to use your song for a Volkswagen commercial. And I was like, oh, tight. That's pretty cool. I didn't really, I'm going to say I didn't think nothing of it, but I didn't really hear what he said. I was just like, okay, it's my first like license opportunity. Okay, cool. And so we got on the, on a Skype and they talked, they talked to biz and they said the number they were going to lace me up with and that it didn't land until I got off the phone. And I was like, wait, what? And I like Googled, I translated euros to US dollars. And I was like, oh, snap, my life has changed, like, kind of deal. And, uh, man, they, they were like, we don't just want your song. We want you to be in the commercial, uh, which was just beyond words. And so they flew me out to Pamplona, Spain, uh, my first time ever going outside the country. Little uptown wow. kid from New Orleans. I ain't never been on a plane that long, on a flight that long. And we we filmed in a Volkswagen factory in Pamplona, Spain, which was amazing. Um, I still have the stuff in my in my, my room. I have a room of fame where I got like a lot of my posters and stuff. And uh, filmed that, and and we did about a week, and it was just amazing, man. Then the check hit, and my life was changed. I was like, oh, I had 97 bucks in my bank account the day that that shit hit my account. And then went from that to more. And I was like, oh, snap, this is crazy. So, you know, it changed my whole view. And it also made me reputable. It gave me, you know, a thing that I could tell people, hey, that's the guy from the Volkswagen commercial kind of deal. It was a European campaign. Um, so it was more overseas, obviously, than USA. But it was still amazing, epic. And I'm the only rapper from New Orleans with a Volkswagen commercial. So that's pretty cool. Nah, mm. that, my, my hat goes off to you, my friend. Definitely, that's cool. That's dope. That's dope. So you got your music played during um ESPN's college basketball coverage. Are you an LSU guy? And um, how did that come about? Getting your music played during um the college season? I'm gonna keep it a whole thou while which I don't even watch college sports. Dog. I'm gonna keep it a buck here, man. I'm who that all day here, straight like <laughs> no doubt. But um, so shouts to the Soul Rebels. Um, they're a big band from here in New Orleans. They toured all over the world. And they had a song, and they, they emailed me like, hey, man, we got this record we love for you to be on. I was like, okay, cool. His beat was crazy. Uh, and so I did the I did the song, and I ain't know, I didn't know it was going to be what it was. And uh, this is one of the reasons why I was so sad about COVID. Uh, the song comes out, I want to say, late 2019, and it becomes the song for ESPN's, like, campaign for the college sports in 2020. We were going to perform on television. Uh, it, it, oh man, we were gonna be on like national television for the Sweet Six. It was gonna be so crazy. Um, I was gonna jump on stage with them at Jazz Fest. That was my first time at Jazz Fest. They were back in Wu Tang, so I'd have been on stage with that. It's just been stupid mm-hmm. nuts, you know. And then COVID hit, <laughs> but uh, but the song played uh on there on ESPN a, a gazillion times. Um, and it's one of the biggest songs I, I have my name attached. I think the song has uh, half a million streams on Spotify, which is really cool. Uh, and one of the bigger checks I've ever gotten as a uh, publishing check, that was cool. Uh, but shout out to Soul Rebels, man, for having me on that record. That's a really, really dope song. One of my more memorable, I guess, verses as it pertains to the city. People kind of know that joint. So it just felt crazy to kind of watch ESPN and hear my voice. I was like, oh, snap, this is nuts. It was an amazing feeling. So shout out to them for stretching, reaching out, and, and giving me that opportunity. Man. Nice. Man, that is really, really cool. I got a question about um, Black Murakami. Is that inspired by the Japanese writer? That's the name of the beat. So That's man, the beat. Caesar is a huge Murakami fan. Okay. I'm more of a Keith Haring guy, but he loves Murakami. That's his favorite. And so that was the name of the beat. So I just kind of kept it. And I kind of made a song around the name of it. Um, 
Yeah, man. I love. I think Takashi is really dope. Um, you know, his art style ain't really my. It, it's in the wave of my my bag, which is like Keith with the the bold lines and the bright colors. But his stuff is more kind of anime uh, inspired kind of. Right. That's not really my bag, but I think it's really dope. It looks really cool. I got a couple of mirror combi pieces, like clothing wise and stuff like that. Um, but I'm over Keith Haring guy. But that's the name of the record because that was the name of the actual beat he sent me, and I didn't want to rename it because I couldn't think of a name for that song. So I was like, <laughs> we just gonna run Black Mirror Combi, and I just made a name around Mirror Combi, you know, the Black Mirror Combi. If anything, it would have been it would have been called me the Black Keith Haring, but you know, I didn't really want to do that. So yeah, that's the name of that record for that reason. Oh, Dope song. Love that song. Because I was about to ask if, if 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 you're actually into that, what books would you recommend? Because when I when I saw the name Murakami, I was like, whoa, that's different. So yeah, with nah, what nah, you that do, beat is crazy. yeah, no, nah, that beat was fire. And and what I love about that too is when you put that together, it makes the listeners go and research. Like, mm, let me yeah. check that out. Let me see what that means. So that was yeah, really cool. that's actually something that you know throughout my life listening to music hip-hop and beyond i've learned i learned about keith herring from mickey fax he has a project called mickey mouse yes he introduced me to warhol and keith herring and kenny sharp and all these guys i knew nothing of this of these people and so that's kind of what i want to do and just kind of taking the information i got formulated the way i do and then regurgitate it out the way i comprehend it and i think Maybe I can do that for the next generation. Maybe I can do that for some younger guys and gals who are getting into art. You know what I'm saying? Or they've never even heard of this person. Google it, and now they're in love with the person. That's what happened with Keith Haring. I looked at everyone's art, and I was like, I like Keith's stuff. It's bold. It's colorful. has a lot of meaning to it. You know, some of the stuff is phallic. I'm not really into that. But some of the stuff is really dope. It's really fire, and I love it. And so I love his background, like what he was doing. It's his whole, you know, view on like you know the AIDS epidemic and things like that and how he went out but he went out like a G I just thought that was dope so but I got all that from a hip hop song you know what I mean and I feel like you know again I mean I have the biggest platform but I do have a little bit of one and, and maybe I can introduce somebody to Nerd Comic you know nice alright I got one question do you own a Volkswagen <laughs> no I got a Mitsubishi Oh, <laughs> they gave me the equivalent of a, of a Volkswagen, though. So, myself. so, 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 will you ever try to like go for a Mitsubishi commercial as well? You know, just to whoever is cutting checks, right? <laughs> 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 I'll drive a job, nigga. Yeah. They check. I'll, it's my favorite car on the planet. All right, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gotta I gotta ask you, Alfred, your your latest project, one guy standing by himself. This one, this one was a it was a good one too. Like I like how you did the track listing because normally people would just put intro or but you you said an intro, a skit, an outro. Like yeah. I just like love how you formatted it. But talk to us about that project. What you because obviously you know this we're we're in the pandemic now, pandemic's still not over. Um, I know you had stopped making music when the pandemic first started. Um, when you resume music, particularly for this project, was did you like hit any any roadblocks or like did it not have an effect on this on this project itself? Because I know it dropped back in May. I wrote this project in a week. Wow, I, I wrote it and recorded it in a week because my studio situation is really cool. My man A Levy with the Hush Studios here in New Orleans. That's the Tupac.
because um, we ain't got the bread like that. Uh, we don't have a machine behind us. We don't have, you know what I'm saying, somebody getting us on playlists, somebody, uh, you know, putting us on the radio, putting us on television, promoting us all the time. So the only way I can keep things alive is if I tweet about it or if I IG post about it, you know. So that was the biggest thing, but I didn't want to do this project at this service. I wanted it to be heard. I want people to actually get a, get a hold of it, you know. And so that was the biggest roadblock that I came into. But shouts to my publicist, uh, Angelique Phipps, uh, PR Amplified, man. They, they showed so much love. They figured it out. And we were able to do some really cool things. Uh, we debuted at number three on iTunes, which is crazy. Uh, the rap charts. Uh, I was on the cover of The Gambit, which is a big, big magazine here in New Orleans. Um, I did a couple shows around it, kind of promoting it and stuff, kind of easing out of, you know, COVID lockdown and stuff like that. So the project kind of, I don't know, man, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. People seem to love it. The song alone is like the standout record. Everyone loves that record. Um, the video is pretty cool, too. So um, I'm very, very happy with the way the album came out for sure. Nice. nice. Yeah, shout out to Mrs. Phipps, too, man. She's been a pleasure to work with. Absolutely. Yes. Lovely, lovely lady. As I was listening to your album, um, I heard that you had mentioned that you was in Barbados during the early stages of the pandemic. Um, how was that? How did you um, how did you deal with that? Oh, wait, Barbados. No, 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 no. I, I, was, I was not. Where did you, where'd you hear that part? Um, I think that was the um, the only person standing that I had heard that. Um, I'm sorry. Barbados. Barbados. Maybe I was just using that as a rhyme. Oh, OK. Uh, or maybe you have one line confused. I said, uh, out in Hamburg, giving bars to the people. That's a 12-hour flight. I came far for the people. Uh, maybe that. We could just go with that. Uh, I'll say that I say that line because when the commercial came out, um, it did really well. We got, like, over a million streams. I'm sorry, a million views on, like, YouTube and Facebook. So I flew out to Hamburg to do the Hamburg, uh, the, the Rebobot Festival. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Out in Germany. And so that's where that line kind of comes from for sure. Because I've never been to Barbados. I would love to go to Barbados. If y'all want to pay for me to go to Barbados. <laughs> <laughs> go, bro, because that's my roots right there. So definitely go. Hey, turn up, turn up. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Beautiful country. Shout out to everybody in uh, Barbados. Beijing, turn up, turn up. Uh, I got a question about the Red or Blue Pill Tour. I know we mentioned Mickey oh, Facts. Yeah, okay. You gotta talk about that. I love Mickey Fax. He's one of my favorites. He's one of my favorites. Amazing. Amazing. Yes, sir. Uh tell us about that tour, man. What was that like being on the road? What was that experience like? Um, well, I've been able to tour with Mick about three times in total. Um, since then. The last time we toured was 2019. I toured with uh Mickey Fax and Mega Ran. That was a dream come true. But uh that first tour, the red and blue. Wow, I've never that's crazy. Shout out to y'all, man. Y'all doing the thing. Um, yes, sir. Thank you. That's crazy. Uh, I've never actually talked about this tour ever. Um, so that tour was amazing because that was 2014. That's seven years ago. I was a 23-year-old kid who was just trying to make something shape. So I wound up booking uh, 16 shows on that tour by myself, uh, me and my manager at the time. Uh, but we booked that. No booking agency, no nothing like that. We just kind of did it grassroots. And I had already had a relationship with Nikki because I booked him in New Orleans. Then I booked him in New Orleans in Baton Rouge down here. And uh, he had hosted a project that I put out as well. And so I was like, man, would you like to, could you like headline a tour? And I just opened for you. And so I like presented him 16 cities. Like, hey, would you like to headline this? And he was like, yeah. And shout out to him for taking a chance on me. Cause you know, we kind of knew each other, but I was, he didn't really know me like that. And, um, that tour was amazing, man. Like we, we, you know, uh, we had some really bad nights. We also had some really good nights. You know, what I mean, I remember in New York, we did a gig up there at a Santos Party House, and oh, that wow. was, a thousand people came out to see Mick, um, which was crazy. And then we did Memphis, and it was like seven people. Um, we did Chicago, it was like a hundred people. You know, we did Orlando, it was like a hundred people. Um, and we did Greensboro, North Carolina, it was like seven people. Um, you know, New Orleans was packed because people came to see me kind of go off and do my thing. Um, so it was ups and downs. I mean, we got into it real big in Boston. Uh, that was a really bad night. Me and him, uh, came blows physically, but you know, I think that's what brothers do. You know what I'm saying? We have our frustrations about things. We talk it out. Maybe we throw hands a little bit. We just figure it out after that. Um, but we ain't throw hands, but we just, you know, we, we talked about it. Um, and I think that's when I became a friend. 
man for having his baby, having their baby as well. My man's a father now, married, so I kind awesome. of like, you know, I yes. kind of help Mickey a little bit get some things going, and, and I'm just so proud of him for um, what he's been doing his career. Now he's doing this again, and it's just a, it's an amazing thing. And um, so that tour was amazing, man. It exposed me. I had never been to Chicago. Half those cities I'd never been to. Fort Wayne, Indiana, Granton, Pennsylvania, uh, Chicago, Illinois. I'd never been to none of those places. Greensboro, North Carolina, New York, um, Boston, Philly. I'd never been to none of those spots. Um, just a southern kid, you know what I'm saying? And uh, he, he, he allowed me to, to do that. And in retrospect, I didn't really realize how many people pay to get on tours. I didn't have to pay to get on tour, you know what I mean? And I feel like I've had a good go of it because I've met beautiful people throughout this process, like Mickey Fax. So Mickey is my brother. I'm actually texting him right now. Hey. He's on some cool stuff. He lives uh, in Atlanta now, so I got to go to Atlanta, and I'm going to be hanging with him for a bit. So Mickey is my bro. Love him to death, you know what I mean? Yes, sir. Great guy. Nice. Absolutely. Amazing. Amazing guy. I, I'm going I'm to backtrack earlier about your influence and stuff. And you hailing out from the New Orleans area, was there like any moments at one point you was like, damn, I wonder if I could one time collaborate with someone like Master P or someone with like Juvenile Little Wayne? Because, you know, you got cash money, you got no limit. And they were like the biggest draws separately out of New Orleans. So were there like any moments that you had like, hmm, God, I want to collaborate with them or no? The only person, the only real, the only person that's really out of New Orleans that I truly want to collaborate with at this point is Big Freedom. That's it. Bounce legend. Big Frida. I've toured with Frida. I just did a couple of gigs in Texas with Frida. Frida brings a different type of energy. Um, Frida's an enigma. Um, there's nobody like her on the face of earth, period. You know what I'm saying? And she's from the city. Um, a legend. Um, you know, I watch her rock crowds of a thousand, two thousand. You know what I'm saying? Every time I, I tour with her. And so, so um, it's a blessing to even be in the circle with Frida. So that's really the only other. I, I, uh, Mac, I want to collaborate with Mac. You know what I'm saying? So Mac and Frida would be the two people that I want to collaborate with right now. That Mac situation might happen soon, so tune in for that. But um, yeah, wait, yes. Yeah, those are the only two people I really want to collaborate with outside in the in the city is uh, Frida and Mac. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. shout out to Mac. We had him here a couple of weeks ago. Yes, sir. Um. Let me ask you, um, you've been featured in OK Player and Complex. Of course, Complex, not just Complex is not just hip hop. They do fashion, video games, sneakers, the whole the whole nine yards. And OK Player has been around for decades. Um, how did it make you feel to to be profiled and interviewed for those for those two legendary publications? Man, this is a dream come true, to be honest, man. Like, because um, I got all those before I had a publicist. I just had a publicist for the past like year and a half, two years. So, you know, Complex named me one of the top 10 rappers out of New Orleans back in 2014. You did. Um, that was before I even had a buzz or anything. They just kind of saw what I was doing. Um, okay, Player featured me because of the beautiful. Um, just I've just met some incredible writers and people in media throughout the years who just kind of take a, they grab a hold to what I do because they know where I come from. I don't come from money. I don't come from you know, place of privilege when it comes to certain things. I just kind of rap really good. You know what I mean? That's just always been my my key to success. It's just I just rap good. Um, and so they just take one kind of liking to that. Um, so when, you know, somebody like, okay, player, like what? It's like one of the first major blogs ever decide to write about me. It's just an incredible feeling. Um, like that was just a game changer. It's like, damn, man. that was the first piece of press that I had that I could really run with before uh, the Volkswagen commercial happened. So uh, that complex thing, man, that was, uh, I'll never forget, I was in New York when I when I heard, um, I picked up my phone, and my phone was like on fire. And everybody was like, yo, congrats to Alfred being on this little complex. And I was like, wait, wait. And I was like, oh, snap. And I just burst into tears. I was like, oh, man, I'm on complex, man. Uh, which my brother was here to see this kind of deal. Uh, and then I had a show in New York that night. And being a Southern guy, you know, I don't say I got beef with New York. That's not true. But it'd be more of a, when I'm in your city, I have a chip on my shoulder because I'm from, from the South. And people still kind of think what they think. So I was like, yeah, I'm about to, I'm on complex, nigga. I'm killing shit, nigga. Uh, so that was a beautiful thing, man. So shout out to Complex and OK Player and all the other publications that have written about me, man. I'll never nah. get that energy, man. That was, 
that was a day, man. I walked around uh, was it Madison Square, oh, not Madison, Times Square, um, being one of the, the guys, like, yo, complex, I'm like, yo, I'm like, yo, well, well, I, I can say we, we, we appreciate your talent on, out here on this end. So, nah, yeah, y'all, y'all are different. Y'all are showing love. Y'all talking about things I've never spoken about in interviews. So, thank you, man. Yeah, much respect. Sure, much respect. And my last question, um, being that you're a mental health ambassador, um, is there anything, any words of wisdom you would like to share with anybody who may be embarrassed or shy or speaking on that? Yeah, man, it's okay to not be okay. You know, and it's just figuring out what are you going to do now that you understand that, you know, going to get help. Like, go get help, man. Go, you know, go get a therapist. Go go get some therapy if you need that. Or find somebody that you truly can find to, to get those things off your chest. And then, you know, go get diagnosed. If there's a, if, if you feel something's genuinely wrong, you know, go to a doctor. Go get diagnosed so we know what we're dealing with. Because kind of that, that idea of just living, let go, and just like living in ignorance, that doesn't make sense. There's too many things out here for us to figure things out and figure out what we have going on. So, you know, um, do the due diligence, have the due diligence to go figure it out. And no one's going to judge you. Um, just because you have a diagnosis doesn't mean you have to live in it. Just understand you have it, work around it, but you don't have to be your diagnosis. You know, you just have it and then we work through it kind of deal. So that would be the biggest thing I tell people. That's great. Awesome. That's great advice. My last question for you is what advice would you give the underdogs out there? I read about the uh, underdog central movement. So, uh, I mean, for anybody out there that's going through things that think that they can't achieve or they can't do anything, what would you tell the underdogs out there? Um, well, underdog central is the place where the overlook go to hone their skills, to come back and become the admired. So it's like a, like a mental kind of deal. Um, you know, like a, the, mental proverbial back cave that you go into to kind of perfect your thing so it's that idea honestly man just be undeniably dope that's something i got told years ago um if all else fails and you don't have anything else to rest on just be undeniably dope and you can make a lot of doors open with just that alone i am a walking testament to the idea that you could be broke you could be homeless um you know not really have a lot going on, but if you just do what you do really well, um, you can make some things happen. You know, be very astute, be smart about the moves you make, always work for full progress, figure out ways to progress and to accomplish new things, tangible things that can't be taken away from you, you know, um, and just be undeniably dope at what you do. If you're really dope at what you do, you'd be surprised what you can do. Amen to that. Yeah, man. That, that that's some inspirational words right there. And uh, Alpha Banks, we 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 thank you for taking the time out of your day to chop it up yes. with us. Um, before we leave, before uh, we part ways, just gotta ask: uh, any upcoming projects you working on, or, or anything new that you uh, yeah. got underway? Actually, man, this month October, I've dropped a new song every Sunday. Um, yep, I've seen that. So yep. First joint was flaunt. Uh, second joint was called uh, Sunday Drive. The one, the another one just came out today, um, called Too Much, featuring Weedus, uh, teenage dirtbag fame. Um, so that's amazing. Um, so yeah, every Sunday this month I'm dropping a new record. I got one more to go after this Sunday, and uh, I'll probably drop an album in December. Another project, a seven eight track joint. Um, it's called Yester Month. Uh, which I'm super excited about. It's been done for about a year and a half now. I just, <laughs> COVID. Um, so I'll figure that out when I can. But yeah, man, yes, the month is going to be coming really soon. These four records in October, one more to go. Sass Kicks Ave, we just dropped a song called Kaleidoscope featuring Pell and Latranium. That music video, as soon as I get off of this uh, interview, I have to watch the music video for the first time, which I'm super excited about. So we'll be dropping a new video there. Um, new project from Sass Kicks Ave coming really soon. Soon as me and him can both sit down and actually do stuff, we're both very busy right now. Um, but at the end of the day, man, just you know, follow me social media, Underdog Central, all that stuff, and you know, buy a shirt from my website or something. Yeah, and definitely. Um, we usually every time we get a guest on the show, we plug their social media, their music, and any links they got in their uh, in our episode description. So we'll make sure to get all your stuff uh, in there for the people to um. 
follow you, listen to you, and get your merch, man. For sure. I appreciate y'all more than y'all know. This has been a very, very dope interview, man. Y'all actually did some gosh darn research, and that's amazing. Thank you very much for that, man. Nah, yes, not a problem. Thank you, man. Our pleasure to have you, my man. Thank you, my man. Thank sir, you, Mr. Banks. Be safe. I change your streets. Sure. All right. Thank you, sir. Thanks.